0: Hello and welcome to episode number 174 of the DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books and with me today are Elise, Carrie, Amanda, and Redheaded Girl, also from Smart Bitches. We're going to talk about choosing a favorite, as in a single solitary favorite romance novel or author, based on an email that we received. We also talk about what makes a book or an author land on our favorites list, and we talk about the books we enjoyed most in this past year. This podcast is sponsored by Renee Adie, author of The Wrath and the Dawn, published by G.P. Putnam's Sons Books for Young Readers, and available in print and ebook. Each dawn brings death, but can love change the story? This intoxicating retelling of A Thousand and One Nights will leave you begging for a book too. Conveniently coming in summer 2016 The Rose and the Dagger. The podcast transcript this month is sponsored by Kensington, publishers of More Than You Know by Jennifer Grayson, the first book in the new Zebra Shout imprint. Shout features rising stars of romance at an affordable price of $4.99 in print with a new book released each month. So if you like bad boy business moguls who know what they want or sexy jazz singers with hidden secrets, you will definitely want to reserve your table at the club for this new series, on sale wherever books are sold. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I will have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is. But now, it's time for the podcast, and we're going to begin with an email from Tiffany. Dear Sarah, loving the podcast as usual, I love hearing different interviews, people who are so different from different backgrounds and jobs, but connected because of books. My boyfriend and I were discussing books today, and he's not much of a reader. He rarely reads. I know, I'm sad, but we all have different hobbies. One of the books he did read and said, it's my favorite book, is Gone Girl. He also really liked the movie. Today's conversation went something like this. Boyfriend, what's your favorite book that you've read? Me. I don't have one. I love most of them. Boyfriend. No, you have to choose, excluding Harry Potter or J.A. A. Tolkien. I'm a huge fan of both. What's something you've read and you thought that was the greatest thing ever? Me. There's too much to choose from. I love Nora Roberts, boyfriend, so she's your favorite? Me. No, but I love most of her books. And then there's Alona Andrews. I thought we were talking about Nora Jones. You mean Nora Roberts. Anyway, I can't choose. They're all good. And then I proceed to tell him the plot of the key trilogy, the Kate Daniels series, etc. I think it annoys him that I don't have a favorite anything. No favorite color, food, or book. I know I love a book or series if I reread it. That's how I measure my I love this more than the rest. But I did realize I have no favorite book or author. My question is, how do you determine what's your favorite? Do you have a measurement system of any kind? Love, Tiffany. P.S. After telling my boyfriend the plot of Kate Daniels with some spoilers, he asked to borrow book one. Yay! (laughs) So, Tiffany, thank you for your email. I had to share it with the entire Bitchery crew so that we could discuss it because it really is hard for me personally to pick a single favorite. So now with the entire Smart Bitches crew, on with the podcast. So in order to make sure that everyone can understand, let's start just by having you each introduce yourself so people can figure out whose voice is whose Sorry. <laughs> Not because you said that, Amanda, you have to start. Oh, you're a bitch, Sarah. It's totes on my business cards. <laughs> yes! <laughs> that's how uh, this works. That's I that's so. yeah.
1: Um, I'm Amanda. I'm the I'm the baby bitch of the group. And this is what my voice sounds like. I have really obnoxious neighbors who are children. So <laughs> so you might hear
0: them and by you the like, time oh. this airs people will have heard the podcast where you start off by complaining <laughs> complaining about That's like them. my mo is every podcast i have some new complaint about my like when we start when we recorded the last one you were like they didn't know that they have to pay for their utilities no <laughs> oh my god red-headed girl's face right now
1: I got a text message it's like, hey, who was paying the utilities before? What's the like password and name on the account? We're like, uh, excuse me? You
2: You set up your own fuck Oh my god. Yes. Oh my
0: <laughs> Yep, okay. Oh, I
2: can't. <laughs> All
0: right. can't. I can't. <laughs> All right. Elise, introduce yourself and also Rich's snot.
3: Yes, uh, my name is Elise, and my husband is Richard sitting next to me, and he just blew his nose loudly, and now he has to sit in the corner of shame. <laughs> I used to work from home, and so the rule was when I was at a conference call, we had to have quiet if he was going to be in the room, and there was one call I was on like, with the CEO, and Richard, of course, starts up like Clash of Clans or some shit with like, <laughs> volume like full blast, right? And they all know it's me, and I'm like, I'm really
0: not... Playing
3: video games while I talk to
0: you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Carrie, now you. Okay,
4: hi. I'm Carrie. Uh, This is me. I am the sci-fi geek, but a lot of my big reads this year have been classics and nonfiction and comics. So I had a really fun time trying to go back through and remember what I read this year, and now I'm all excited about it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I always like looking back through years worth of reviews like when it's time to look at the nominations for the Deboija. I always look back yeah. through my reviews and am like oh I read that last year it seems so long ago and then I'll look at another one that was even earlier and be like wasn't that last week like no, I have the worst was, sense of like- timing.
4: I always wish I could do, like, a follow-up review. Like, okay, so a year later, I've completely forgotten this book, so I'm adjusting the grade down because it was enjoyable but forgettable. Or a year later, I forgot that this book didn't make any sense, but emotionally it, like, super stuck with me, and I think (laughs) about it all the time. Like,
0: I think there's totally justifiable long-term reviews. Like, there are books that... Like even like the Duke and I by Julia Quinn, like oh, I yeah. loved that book and now I read it and I can't cringe hard enough <laughs> yeah, because I am older and, and, you know, more aware of things that I read the book and I'm like, oh, past Sarah, what were what were you thinking? <laughs> uh, That's not good. All right. Redheaded girl.
2: Hello. I'm Hello. redheaded girl. This is my voice. Tonight's beer is a smutty nose winter <laughs> ale. <laughs> i have Which is water really quite delicious that's not alcohol sarah we're i had recording... wine earlier we're recording a podcast alcohol is rec- i asked twitter
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> well I, you're right about I that i asked twitter
2: and twitter is never wrong i don't
0: even have tea but you don't drink drink right carrie well, that is true, but I
4: do drink like 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 I should have my tea or my hot cocoa. This is really like hot cocoa would be like my stand-in beverage. Have
0: you had to stop drinking but beverages no. because of the drought? Is that where it is now? Like no one can drink. <laughs> no anything? one can drink. I'll drink anything.
4: No, I just didn't bring it in with me.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, do you how do you guys determine what's your favorite? Like. Is it possible to have a singular favorite book or a singular favorite no. author? No, I don't. No, I don't think no. so.
3: No. <laughs> I'm going to be the dissenting voice here. Well, oh, you're wrong.
2: Out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> Shut Shut up. Get what out have, of red velvet lover. <laughs> what was that? Whatever, red velvet lover. Get hey, out.
3: I'm very snuggly right now. This is very comfortable. My nips um. are warm. I'm in Wisconsin. It's cold, it's dark. No, I'm
2: talking about red velvet cake, and you're. Oh, wrong. I thought you were talking about my <laughs> robe. <laughs> for for the <laughs> audience, <laughs> I am wearing
3: a very fluffy robe right now. Yeah, but it's Classy not velvet. It's
2: not. I know the difference between velour and velvet. For fuck's sake, at least. <laughs> oh,
3: oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I thought we'd, we I don't know. I thought we'd bonded over beer cheese soup with popcorn. And now I just, I feel like that's gone between us. <laughs> like, that was this afternoon. This is now.
1: <laughs> Hours have passed.
3: <laughs> Hours have
2: passed. So much has happened.
3: Okay. So, no, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, like, Jane Austen, if I if never, if I had to pick one author and that would be it for the rest of my life, I would pick Jane Austen and I would pick Pride and Prejudice because I think. Not just because I really like the book, but that book had such, like, a profound impact on my life. And if I hadn't read it, I don't know if I'd be doing this.
0: I don't think I could narrow it down to just one. Because, I mean, even if I was on the proverbial desert island and I had, like, two books, first of all, if they were paper books and they dried, they would end up as kindling because I would rather not die. Yes. Right. So I need some warmth and I just have to accept that the books will become kindling because Okay,
2: okay, but it it depends on what kind of trees are on this island because like palm fronds make fine kindling.
0: That's true. If there's palm fronds, well, if there's no palms, I'm dead from sunburn anyway. Yeah,
2: pretty much. So you don't need to burn the books. There's other. okay.
0: So in my proverbial fantasy desert island, there's, there's, there's sun cover and maybe there's a magical sunscreen plant too. Woohoo. But I could not narrow it down to just one or two. I would get tired of that one book. There are books that I've read 50 or 60 or 70 times, but I couldn't say, oh, that's my one favorite. Even, even authors, I can't say I have a single favorite because I have such huge mood swings in terms of what I want to read. Like there are some times where it's like nothing but historicals for a month and a half. And then it's like, okay, yeah. I'm done with historicals. And now I want to read fantasy. I run, and, and I go through these huge blocks of time where there's a genre that I want, but it's not an author that I want. If I mainline a particular author, because I'm so attuned to patterns and the things that I pick up quickly are the patterns, if I mainline a particular author, one book after another after another, I start to see that they're ticks and then I can't read them for a while because I start seeing their ticks everywhere. Yeah. Is that true for I- you, Amanda?
1: Oh, yeah. I was, when you were talking, I was thinking about um, the Immortals After Dark series the Cressley Cole. We're up to 16 books now. And I know some people, when they gear up for the next new release in a series, they will read the entire series through, Dude. you know, just to catch up to the one book or to like, get in the mood or whatever. But I I tried reading, you know, up to the, the next book so I can prepare myself, but I can't do it because... While I love Cole's books, they are very formulaic, especially when you have the the fated mates trope and her heroes are so, like, alpha all the time for the most part. So I I couldn't binge on it because I would probably... Get really tired of it, and wouldn't even want to read the new book by the time it came out. If I had to do that,
0: I know there are people who read the Nora Roberts, J.D. Robb in Dark in Death series rather, mm-hmm. and that's well, it's like forty books. It's like forty books, and they'll read the whole series like once a year. And I'm like, okay, wow. I couldn't do that. So I have a question,
3: Amanda, about the Immortals After Dark yeah. in your sorry, review. Sorry, this cat meowing, by the way.
1: Do you that's a... Dewey. I'm sorry. no, I have a cat meowing. Oh, you story. do? Okay, yeah. Yay! he's.
3: Kitty. Um, so in your review you said that now this is a part I'm struggling with so if the vampire finds his mate his heart starts beating and yes. if the demon it's does he gets to ejaculate yes <laughs> so now but no I need clarification on this so does that mean like he didn't previous to that have an orgasm or just like the, no, the chamber wasn't us, loaded okay
1: no ejaculate there's no like
3: emissions yeah okay. there's
1: no emissions they describe it as like there's a a wang a seal on the top that like doesn't get broken until it like a magic. cap you don't, it's don't like
3: a it. boy like hymen
0: seal
1: it, yeah
3: like yeah. there would be
1: a backlog and that would be
3: really painful he would that's like
0: shoot I mean, her through a wall well,
1: yeah that's why they usually <laughs> are paired with other supernatural like there's no weird superman sort of issue going on like so, yeah. what would right.
0: superman's ejaculate do a right. valid yeah, like, question he'd, yeah, oh, he'd oh, shoot yeah. right through his spinal column and she'd be dead
1: right i think anyway. what happened one time i forgot what comic it was but it was superman and lois lane and one of the arcs was that lois lane gets pregnant and the superman baby kicks and kills her
3: well that's that's some dark okay. shit yeah, right that's
1: there I, i've well, been there
4: there's a super famous essay, but I can't remember who wrote it, called Man of Steel, Woman of Tissue Paper. That's exactly in, what it is. in detail, breaks down the whole, like, sex right. with Lois Lane. The problems, the problems right. are on many. Which
2: is what made the sex between Jessica Jones and Luke Cage so hot. because right, she of, couldn't break him. She couldn't break him, and neither of them had to hold back. Good for them. That's great.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. I appreciate you. You're
2: welcome. I'm
1: just you know, doing the Lord's work. (laughs) I told
3: Sarah uh, that if I ever win an award, I want to be like a professional athlete where they thank Jesus, but I want to thank all the romance authors. Like, I'm going to give a big shout out to my ladies at Avon for getting me through. You know, And I said she
0: could thank her Lord and Savior, Mr. Darcy. Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Redheaded girl, what about you? How do I pick a favorite? I don't. It's, I don't think it's possible for everybody yeah, to pick a singular I, I don't. favorite. I have things that I really like. I have, like, if you look at my DVD collection, <coughs> I go, well, most of these are clearly my favorites because I bothered to drop money on them. Like, I can say that my favorite TV series of the 2000 was The West Wing. I feel like I can say that, but that's my favorite TV series of the 2000s it's a very specific limited if you ask me to choose my favorite tv series of the of the teens i can't do it probably hannibal i'm sorry
0: <laughs> I'm sorry moment of silence for hannibal
2: you know what we got two more seasons than we ever expected we would yeah and i feel emotionally content with how it ended so i look at it like that that we got way more than we de- than than we deserved. <laughs> so, I I am at peace with the fate of Hannibal. I appreciate your sympathies, but I'm in a good place. Okay, good. Okay. Um, as for favorite books, like you guys have seen pictures of my bookshelves, I can't, I can't do that. I mean, I have books that I, I have found that I need to own. Like there are John Grisham books that I've I've gotten rid of multiple times. But I've had to go buy them because I just can't live where I can't read the Pelican Brief whenever I want. I never want to, but I have to be able to.
0: Isn't that what digital books are for, though? Like, just buy no, it digitally and call no, it a day?
2: No, no, Because no.
0: Because there's the books where you have to physically be able to touch them. And what's really weird is I was having a conversation with someone who was asking me about Books that you keep and why you keep them. And all of my books from my bookshelf have been in storage since September. So I haven't been able to like physically touch them in like three months and I'm starting to get a little itchy. But the reason that I have them isn't so much just that book, but it's that book when I read it and when I bought it and where I was when I had it so that I see it and it's like a whole built in little package of memory. Just wanting to be able to read a thing whenever I want for me qualifies it for the Kindle folder of these are the books you like to keep.
2: And maybe that would have been true if I hadn't finally come to this realization well before I got a Kindle.
0: Ah, Uh, that makes sense.
2: I, I think I bought my current copy in 2005 and I didn't get a Kindle until 2010. Right. Um, but also, my current copy I got at a used bookstore for a dollar and the Kindle copy, if I can get Amazon to fucking cooperate with me right now, is going to be at least five bucks.
0: Good point, because it's a lot easier to find a book yeah. like that used.
2: Yes, yeah. so strange.
0: Alright, hold uh, on. Like, oh, Which cat sorry. is that? That's, who's That's Dewey?
3: Hi, Dewey!
1: <laughs> oh, hi, Dewey! Oh, look at oh, his face! Oh, Dewey! <laughs> He's really mad.
3: <laughs> he's now he's smushing the the tablet like he's rubbing his whiskers on it he's mad because he he thinks it's time to eat now even though he's got like an hour to go right
2: well you might forget
3: right and so he needs to start the reminding process immediately do you guys do
0: daylight standard time and daylight savings yeah yeah so he's he's technically on the right he's he's right we are wrong Right, we're a God bunch of assholes. Spawn will tell you at length that this was <laughs> bullshit. This whole switching, bu- yeah, it's right. bullshit. He's had like 15 years to not be used to it. He and Dewey are like totally together on this one.
3: I have to say I'm with them.
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either. <laughs> what about you, Carrie? Do you have a singular favorite?
3: Oh, God, no. <laughs> no.
4: That would be, that is just, I'm just so wrong. But I, I have. I, I would say that I have criteria for my favorites, right? So yeah. usually my favorites are, you know, a lot of the same criteria as Lisa's, right? They changed, They had an influence on my life. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to get out of it. I can read it in a lot of different ways. So if you think about Lord of the Rings, Jane Eyre, and Bethany, which are three of my favorites, right? And Pride and, uh, uh, and Prejudice. They're super different. They're very, very different books, you know, especially once you throw Bet Me in there, because Bet Me is a more recent book and the other ones are older. But they're all books that had an influence on who I am. They're all books that I can read differently every year. So my experience with Jane Eyre from when I was 10 is completely different. I should hope so. Well, yeah, (laughs) but it's still a really fascinating book. And um, every time I flip it open, I can get like a new thing out of it. Plus, it sticks. It has a quality that sticks with me.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. And plus, when you reread a book and you keep coming back to it, it sort of becomes like a constant. Like it's almost like a piece of your thoughts all the time. Yeah. And things remind you of it. Yeah. So how do you guys decide what is your favorite? What makes you say, okay, this is better than all of the rest of the things that I have read or this is this is in my top five, this is in my top ten? Have you had a book that hit you there recently?
1: Yes. Yes. So,
0: which one, Amanda?
1: Um, I would say it's a tie for two. Um, and like in terms of like favorites, I'm just going to do obviously what I read this year. But I would say um, – Asking for it and Madame X. Those two this year, they're both very very dark romance novels and they kind of break the conventions that you associate with a lot of romance novels. Like Madame X doesn't have a happy ending at all. Um, and it's just terrible. Like I don't even want to call it the first book a romance either because not a lot of romantic stuff happens. Um, But those two books are books that, like, after I read, like, I would catch myself thinking about them a week later. And that's how I know that they made an impact on me as a reader. When even after the book is closed and I'm reading other things, I'm still going back to that book. Mm Yep.
0: And is it because you want to visit the characters or you just want to reread it again or you think you missed something? Or is it just, I want to read this. My brain isn't happy with that. I want more of this.
1: It's more of, like, I want more of this. And I was just blown away by what the authors did with the characters and the world they created and the issues that they brought up in in the books um like both of them deal with trauma of their characters and that does come up a lot in romance as a backstory for characters especially heroines um so i just thought it was very interesting and very well done and not normally what we see
0: that makes sense yeah what about what about you, Elise? Did you did well, you read, I read something that made you go up? Oh, yeah, this is one of my best ever.
3: Yeah, I read the Wallflowers Quartet for the first time this year, oh, and that was one where right you have like after you finish it, you have like book hangover, right? <laughs> yes. So good.
2: And <laughs> when The Devil try, in Winter gave me hangover oh for like god. three
3: years. <laughs> oh my god, that book! Like it just ruined me. And everyone was your I talked favorite to. Favorite out of the four. Devil
0: and Winter, hands down. Followed Sarah, by Devil It Happened One Devil and Winter, no question.
1: Autumn was my favorite. Yeah?
0: Yeah. Cool. I
1: think when you're,
3: when you read a lot and, and we do, um,
1: Wait, when a what? book,
3: I know, shut up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when, a, when a book,
3: when a book takes something you're familiar with and then does something different with it, it's like, I'm going to take this to a different level. I'm going to go to a different place. And I think that's what Amanda kind of said too. It's like, um it immediately pops out in your memory and it makes you kind of reevaluate then the other things in that genre that you've been reading. Yeah.
0: What about you, Carrie?
4: I would say so okay, so I got all excited, right, and I started writing this list and I broke it down by categories and it's like three <laughs> pages long. But don't worry, I'm not gonna read it to you. But <laughs> <laughs> and now this I'd like to like give a... you my PowerPoint on my list. If you <laughs> it, it. It. <laughs> it was no, it was like very, it was a very like O C D list. Except I hand wrote it. Here. I'll I'll Whoa.
0: There you go. Oh. You did Wow, <laughs> you did my, your, your homework.
4: But if if you absolutely forced me to say what just blew off the top of my head, I would say Big Planet. Bitch Planet Volume 1.
0: Oh God. It's Oh my
4: God. Because every single Page, every panel almost, every picture, took four or five tropes and flip them. Yes. Just over and over again. And sometimes multiple times in a single panel. It, it was, was just incredible. amazing. And like in terms of like layers, like I could read it over and over again, the different thing every time. I got to see Kelly Sue DeConnick talk at San Diego Comic con and so then I took that to it and that made me look at it differently. And you know, there's just so much to unpack just, just in that one volume which people who read comics you know that the trade issues are still super crazy short you can read the whole yeah. thing in like half an hour oh yeah but then you go back and you read it and read it and read it and read it because it was so layered so good what else is on oh, your on list, on list aside i from... could do more on my list my list no you only get one that we, we discussed <laughs>
0: We discussed this earlier. Back. You only get one favorite. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Get, more, right. more, more, more. No.
4: Okay, so classics. So I read a bunch of classics this year. Cold Comfort Farm. That was another one that just, I had no idea. It was like also Lady Susan by Jane Austen. I thought I knew my Austen. I didn't know my Austen. Oh my God, Lady Susan it was like this present. It was like somebody just said, Oh, hey, you think you know what Jane Austen is like? Here, have this present. It's just for you. It was so fun.
0: It was so all fun. of was your hilarious. catnip, too.
4: All of your catnip. I would catnip. say Lady Susan was my catnip, but Coal Comfort Farm was totally my catnip. You know what, Coal <laughs> Comfort Farm? The author doesn't know it because she wrote it so long ago, but I think it was written specifically as my consolation prize for all those those versions of Wuthering Heights that I had to t- had to watch <laughs> for that that thing that I wrote. Like, oh my God, that that was my consolation prize. Cool. She didn't know that's what she was doing, but that's what that was for. Yeah, cool. Conformance were fun. And then I read a ton of nonfiction this year. And, I know. Um, it was awesome. Oh, it was way awesome. And I just finished uh, Romantic Outlaws, uh, which is about Mary Shelley and Mary Wollenscraft. And I thought it was great, but my family's sick of me. They're sick of me. <laughs> They're going to kick me out of the house. Well, man, thought, I'm so okay, glad that off. I found
2: that book and was like, Carrie, look, this book was written for you. And you're like oh, did you maybe want to review it? And I said, no, this book jumped off the shelf and said, tell Carrie about me. (laughs) Yeah, now I'm just running
4: around screaming, Lord Byron, he's such an asshole! And everybody's tired of it.
2: Yeah, oh my
4: God. Was he a giant dick? Oh, don't even start with me, with the Lord Byron. Every (laughs) single person in two generations of women was a total jerk, with the possible exception of Mary Shelley, who was like the only adult in two generations. She's like the only person who was capable of
0: like paying a bill. Uh, that
4: was it.
3: So she knew like, that oh, you had to
4: pay
0: so your utilities. utilities. Yes. <laughs> she hell? was the one who set up the utility <laughs> bill account. Right. <laughs> and absolutely. changed the password. Absolutely. <laughs> so do you guys think yeah. I need to do a podcast? Let's ask Carrie about Lord Byron. Oh yes.
2: Yes. 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 Yeah. And yes. And then you should Let's, say, let's ask Carrie about Lord Byron and Jane Eyre.
0: Oh
4: yes! No, no, those are really like two whole separate podcasts because I will get up and and leave 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 the room about the Shelleys, (laughs) and she'd still have a full
3: podcast. I think because Carrie doesn't drink, who's ever asking Carrie the questions needs to be completely
0: (laughs) (laughs) intoxicated. So this is my drunk classics with Carrie. (laughs) With Carrie. Oh, God.
4: I could totally be a regular feature. I could talk about Carmilla, like, either myself drunk or to a drunk person for quite some time. That was another fun line. The- I think Let's we need Harry to get drunk
2: and have her talk about Carmilla. I want that to happen. Yes. This Victorian is- vampire
4: lesbian porn. Call me, Sarah. You know where to find me. <laughs> oh, I'll I think,
0: tell you all about it. I think we're going to line up some shots and then tape this in Vegas. Yes.
4: <laughs> that would be
2: so fun. Where yes. are you guys
0: going? Listen, we have a mission – Look, we have a mission.
2: (laughs) We're going down to the Chippendales and we're going to get Carrie's shit face.
4: I'm not not really clear on how you would record a podcast at the Chippendales, though. Oh, we We have
2: ways. We have
0: our ways. Well, go in,
3: like
1: one of the private back rooms.
3: Yes. I feel like at least one of those dancers has like some kind of radio, TV, film degree, and he'd be happy to. Put <laughs> so,
0: a yeah, it's a absolutely. Again. Not <laughs> being utilized. Listen, we need to record a podcast about Lord Byron. Could you help us out? Oh, sure. Just give oh, me. Oh, sure. And you and know, it'll be the one just guy. Flip
3: me off because he's got a radio, TV, film degree. So. He... <laughs> oh,
0: no. so well, you should bring so him. We can bring well, Rich to, pot- bring, to We can bring Rich to Chippendales.
3: Richard A. E. told me that he is too hairy to be an exotic dancer, male That's dancer, fickle. and that he feels...
2: That is solutions to that problem.
3: But he feels like <laughs> he would only like appeal that. to a certain segment of the population and it would be like a niche of
0: German men, and
2: he's not comfortable <laughs> with that, right? <laughs> These are all fixable problems (laughs) that you have money.
0: And besides, I mean, Amanda likes her men vascular. Some women like their men a little fuzzy. It's fine. Oh, if if a dude
3: cannot grow chest hair, there's no way. Like, there's something, again, like, adults have body hair. They just do. It's weird. It weirds me out.
1: You're laughing. The belt guy that was here on Saturday, he has what I like to call (laughs) hair pants. So it's just like... (laughs) Pants made of hair. I his belt. <laughs> forgot his belt. forgot his belt. I'm just, wearing it right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a new belt. <laughs> I can't it. breathe. <laughs> but
0: What, did they start? Like mid-thigh? Like thigh-high well, stockings?
1: He pretty like hairy all over. But like marked, markedly hair pants. Like <laughs> waist area. He had, like the chest hair. And it, like, thinned out around the stomach and then, like, started right again at, like, the waist. waist <laughs> down. <laughs>
0: so he had a hairy ass is what you're saying. Here. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Was All it, like, right.
2: A,
3: like, what were those little, uh, like, the infantasia, the little goat people that played the pans? Satyrs. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Satyrs? Yeah, Satyrs. Who hasn't
0: gone?
2: I is haven't gone. You,
0: you tell us about your things while I clean my yeah. glasses of salt. <laughs>
2: how if you're going to end up on my top ranked things you either have to like be pandering to me or you have to do something new and interesting and an example of somebody who has pandered to me is unravelled by Courtney Milan which i mean if you read my review of that I'm clearly out of my mind because there are finals that I was supposed to be studying for and papers I was supposed to be writing. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to write this. And she has so much fun with the legal stuff that it was it was pandering to me. And I'm and the heroine had red hair and made snarky comments in the theater, and so that was clearly a shout out. You can't tell me otherwise even though I have very strong views about proper movie theater behavior, namely shut the fuck up Um, or um, a gentleman's game. And I feel bad talking about this book. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but the book doesn't come out for another month, but a gentleman's game. Yes. By Teresa Romain, where she's talking about horse racing and there are enough references that I was like, I know what books were on your shelves when you were a child. Am I right? And she's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had this book and this book, right? He's like, yes. <laughs> and well,
0: this will be, if you're curious, I am aiming to put this episode up for the first Friday in January. So I think that's the fourth. So it's totally fine to go on and on about this book.
2: Okay. Cause I think it comes out like the, 8th or so.
0: Doesn't matter. Keep going. It's fine.
2: Anyway. Yes. Is it pandering to me? Yes. Does it work? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. Or doing, and I'm I'm going to talk about something that's not a book now. Oh. Tough. Um, but Hamilton, the musical, is something is super nerdy and took the musical theater genre and twisted it and made... American history about a bunch of old dead white dudes. Colorful and interesting for people who are not old white dudes. And just how Lin-Manuel Miranda was able to do that and suddenly make this Broadway musical like the big cultural zeitgeisty thing that it is is incredible. And I mean, he makes Lafayette Rap at six point eight words per second. Like there's one person on the planet who can do it, and he is playing Lafayette on Broadway right now. <laughs> Possibly, like, right now, at this minute. Um, have
0: you Have you figured out how to sell one of your kidneys to get tickets?
2: I I'm trying a more conventional route and asked my parents to subsidize a ticket. For my Christmas present. Well, that's a lovely present. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, because <laughs> I've got way too much shit.
0: <laughs> well, this the same day that your review of the soundtrack runs. Ezie Soga from from um, Kensington has because she lives in New York and is very into theater. I think she has seen it four or five times. And so she reviewed it. And I'm like, I'm a little worried for your well-being once you tell people you've seen this more than twice. yeah, like, I'm a little concerned that someone may find you and be mad at you and, like, want to hit you with frozen fish.
2: I mean, at the one hand, I kind of look at that and go, I can make a ballpark guess at how much money you've spent on that. Assuming that you didn't win the lottery. Which... No,
0: she saw it before it was on Broadway.
2: Yeah. Um... Yeah. Maya, my friend Maya, who comments as Papaya Junebug, saw it at the public theater off Broadway.
0: Yeah, she's and a she public was... theater member, too.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, good for her. Lucky Very people. Lucky,
0: lucky, lucky people. Lucky.
2: Um, so it's, it's either you pander to my specific nerdery or you pander to my specific nerdery with hip hop. I guess. Is my, <laughs> I don't know. There, this is my second beer.
0: <laughs> I hadn't read anything that I thought was going to be like, wow, this is one of the best things ever. And then. Last, you act like I read, <laughs> act like it. And I read it. Twi- I read it twice. And I'm like, you guys don't understand how much I loved this book. Like <laughs> I finished it and I missed it. Like I actually missed the characters and I missed listening to this person's voice. And I missed hearing the story. And there are more characters from the heroine's point of view than from the hero's. But when you get the hero, he's hilarious and cranky. And it hit me right where I needed to be completely transported. The language and the setting just, I was, you know, I'm a little stressed because a lot of shit going on. What? Yeah, what? I know. It's no. just, it's just, you know, moving and selling and buying and no big deal. And yeah, you know,
2: the general trailers make it look so easy.
0: Yeah, ge- I know. General adulting is much easier on HGTV than it is in real life. But like, I loved this book so much. But the best part has been. Once I wrote the review, how many people came back and were like, yes, it really is that good. And I'm like, thank you. I'm not out of my mind for loving it this much.
2: Yay. Right. You might be out of your mind, but that's not a symptom.
0: I'm not alone <laughs> in my out of my mind mindedness. So what other books do you guys want to mention that you want people to go find this year?
3: Oh, I have to talk about the Bad Boys Undercover series by Helen K. Diamond. Because. Yes. So I'm in a weird place where I really love romantic suspense, but it's like the older I'm getting, the less I really want to read about people being raped and dismembered. <laughs> and she writes romantic suspense, but it's like popcorn action movie romantic suspense. Yes. Where, where no and one. And there's is, not enough of that. Yes. Yes. Like no one is going to. Like the heroine's not going to be sexually assaulted. No entrails. No entrails. Um, you know, there's some. Big-ass threat that you know is never going to come to fruition so you don't have to really worry about it. And everything's going to be okay. And the hero is going to take off his shirt and get really bloody and still, like, kick ass. And you're okay with that? I'm totally okay Okay. with that. Like, the suspension of disbelief is totally there. I want that, like, crazy action
0: movie romantic suspense where you don't have to have anxiety. I have a half-baked theory about this. Okay. Okay. So if you think about, because we were talking about why are hitmen and heads of mafia groups, oh, yeah, yeah. like why are they popular? Why is that the hero? And we're all kind of like, yeah, human trafficking and organized crime, not a thing I can, re- you know, you can really redeem a hero for doing. Even if it's not as explicitly stated in the book, that's what the organized crime does So like once you know that it's kind of hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, all the prostitution and human trafficking and selling people that we'll just pretend that you were one of the good guys like that didn't happen. But that, that outside of our sort of group, those particular heroes are really popular. And there's a lot more romantic suspense now. There's a lot more gory romantic suspense, which I think is sort of like an offshoot of all of the CSI, CSI original yep. recipe, Law and Order, Law and Order Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Law and Order, <laughs> you know, Colonel <laughs> Special. You know, there's like nine different varieties of people getting raped, murdered, killed, assaulted, or all of the above. And that is showing up in romantic suspense. And then in the contemporary romance, we've moved out of the sort of happy, homey, small town, and we've moved into this really dangerous guy contemporary. Like the the heroes could easily kill you with like one-tenth of their pinky finger. And I think the problem is, not the problem, but the reason is readers want the stakes to be really, really high. There's not enough tension unless the stakes are really high. And if you're in a romantic suspense, then entrails and rape are high stakes and that's sort of your default setting. And if you're in a contemporary, then you want a really dangerous guy and add in a couple of suspense elements to drive the stakes higher. So what readers seem to be really into right now, and again, half-baked theory, is super high stakes, emotionally demanding, tense conflict in the story.
3: I think there's another component, though, too, where, um, you know, one of the things that I kind of find troubling in these books sometimes is the power dynamic between the hero and heroine, where, you know, he's the mafia boss, hit man, whatever. But in the fiction, I think she kind of absorbs or claims some of his power, right? So in a weird way, it's empowering the heroine and empowering the reader, Right. right.
4: Mm-hmm. Because
3: it, and I think you know that was some of the appeal of Twilight too, right? Mm-hmm. Like Bella became one of the <coughs> sparkle vampire people's member of their
0: family. She Super kind of strong obs- and invincible,
3: right? But even before she was changed, she she absorbed their you know they they welcomed her into the fold, and therefore she became powerful and protective and strong because now she's one of the um, kind of elite
0: or she knows you know, the secret, right? That's a big element that I think repeats a lot in romantic trends, the knowledge of a secret whether or not you're a bunch of werewolves or you're in a secret society or you know you're a sparkly vampire, there's a there's a lot of secrets that get like that that's that that secret becomes a currency that the heroine then has.
3: I think the thing I struggle with a lot more as I'm getting older is the redemption of like the bad boy hero where um young Elise was all about that and old Elise realizes like that shit ain't gonna change. So you know <laughs> I, I can see it we were having kind of this whole Marvel debate. I can see like why like I could totally fix Loki he absolutely just needs the love of a good woman right but he's again that kind of cheesy popcorn cinema villain and then we were talking about Kilgrave from Jessica Jones and it's like Oh no! We need to yeah, like nope. we he needs to go put we need to dig a hole and he goes in the hole and then we put a lot of things on top of it and then we pour a concrete slab on top of that hole yeah. and then we light know. it on fire. Right, and yeah. there's there's no possibility of redemption because it's such a dark and twisted um, Dine- character. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. he's he, all of the the MRA dudes that we know only turned up to eleven. He's right. who they wish they could be. Right. And that's what makes him terrifying. Yep,
3: I'm reading a book now. I don't know if it's it's Katie. Is it Ruse Reyes R e u s Reyes? I think Reyes. And I was really liking the beginning, and then you find out that the hero's backstory is that his wife, who also worked for the CIA, died, but that when she was abducted, her captors raped her and sent photos of it to her husband. And it was just like, oh nope, done. Like I can't deal with that much awful backstory at the end of the day.
0: I, I had a lot more curiosity about the Mary Balog book you reviewed this year about yes. how the heroine survived a horrible thing and the horrible thing is not revealed, but everybody assumes that she was raped. Right. But that's not the only horrible thing that could be visited upon a person. Yeah. Right. And I think it was really significant because it said, um,
3: I mean, it said a lot about kind of we assume that, Everything that's important with a woman is tied up with her sexuality. Like the worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you were sexually assaulted.
0: There's two. You're either sexually assaulted or you lose a child. And those are the only two things that are the most horrible for women because either you're losing the prize and the value of your virginity or you're losing your role as a parent and a mother. And therefore, you are nothing when you lose Mm -hmm. either of those things. Yeah. The the whole idea makes my blood pressure go up. (laughs) Right, and, and
3: her, when you, when you get to the end and you find out what actually happened to her, I mean, it's horrible,
0: and you can understand why this would traumatize her for the rest of her life. And then it's not just, trauma isn't just one or two things. Right. I think it was Barry Harneyman who pointed out that you either get rape or loss of a child, and those are your two losses yep. for, for defining yeah. a female character, and she's yep. so right about that. Yep. So right. Yes. What about you, Carrie? What else is on your list of things that you adored this year, and you want everyone to know about?
4: Oh, I want everyone to know about. Okay, well, we have not been talking about TV shows and movies, but I don't see how we can like segue from that discussion. We about totally have about Mad Max: Fury
2: Road. Oh, oh totally. Max yes. Was, like, God, amazing. was that the beginning of the year? That was summer. That was in May. That was that, was summer. that, was, that came out yeah. the same weekend we were at RT. Yeah. My yeah, amazing sense of time. It did. It did. It it did. did. It did. Wow. It, well, it did. People were talking about house. it the the weekend that we were leaving our tea. And I was like, okay, fine. I will fucking go see it, but not until I get home. Oh, and yes. by then, the internet had exploded and had been in the theaters for three days.
0: And oh, yeah. it's it's amazing to see the way that word of mouth worked on that movie. Like, yeah. it was all of yeah. these people going, no, you don't understand.
4: You don't like, understand. Yeah. You have I, to be there.
0: I can't even tell you we need to see this. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like uh, the trailers came out and we were like, eh. oh, yeah. okay. And then the MRAs were like, "How dare Charlize their own bark at Mad Max? No one barks at Mad Max." And we're like, "Well, if you're pissed off, then we're going to throw money We're going to see that movie. It. Okay. Yeah, we're money at it. yeah. <laughs> and then oh, people did and came back and we're like, "Oh my god, you don't understand." You Has
0: somebody yeah. built a website? What do MRAs hate so we know what to go look at? <laughs> I should. <laughs> what do you hate today? Because <laughs> we're all <laughs> over that shit.
4: I will find this Sarah and send a tweet so you can link to it. But one guy who's a film critic said, okay, I am going to review Mad Max Fury Road, even though I've been warned by MRA activists that this is so feminist. That, I read you know, that my, review. My penis might fall right off. Yeah. Like, and, and his conclusion was, you know what? This is very dangerous. In fact, MRA people, it's so dangerous that not only should you not go see it, you should just stay. Don't leave the house at No, all. just you go in the basement. Stay away from people. Yeah. No, I, that, I love that movie. I haven't said anything about romance, but the highwayman. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> that so movie that was all, so ridiculous. That's not specifically my catnip. I'd say in terms of pandering, that had redheaded girl like all over it. But no, I love the it. way it flipped a lot of tropes. <laughs> it was so fun to see that heroine was just like so great. And it just kept flipping all your expectations in this really
0: fun way. And, and you, um, you don't see a lot of heroines like that. I mean, it used to yeah. be that historical romance was 99.9% built of characters who were a lot like her.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And now, yeah, Well, you, and what was cool is she sort of starts off, right? You think, oh, we've seen her. She's We haven't seen her for a while, but we know who this is. She's like the young, sweet, naive ingenue. And then you find out she's totally not the young, sweet ingenue, although she is very sweet. But she's, she's very, you know, she's, she's worked in Scotland Yard for years and years. She knows what the world is like. And she's so in charge of her own sexuality. Mm-hmm. And the way that it flipped the whole thing about, well, like, who's in control of this, this sexual, you know, exploration, I thought was just really clever and really interesting and really well done. Cool. redheaded girl, I can see you. We're doing video Skyping. You look like you're just going to
2: just explode. Say something. I have the hiccups. I'm trying to hold my breath so I don't up. That is what, what I'm doing. So I t- put mute okay. on and then I'm trying to reset my diaphragm so I don't pick <laughs> up all through the rest of the podcast.
4: Because so, I know that you also liked this book. So I, I just did. assumed that your feels were just like boiling up.
2: I mean, I really like the book. I got all my like- feels out in the review. So
4: Yeah. That was really fun, and I don't read a t- lot of contemporary. But Courtney Ma, I mean, she just—I should just like keep a basket of A's, and every time she writes something, I don't even need to read it. I just sort of toss an A out there. Oh, Courtney Mon wrote a thing, A, A, isn't that, a. Isn't that so? Trade me. I really like Trade Me, and that was just at the beginning of 2015.
3: I checked. It just yeah. sneaks in this year. I was like that with Eloisa James and her new one where it was a uh, four nights with the Duke. And one of the things I love, first of all, is witty banter. Like when they're flirting oh, yeah. with banter, that's just the best thing ever. And then there's this whole like letter writing component. So not only are they flirting and witty banter, but it's, it's vibe, right. Sarah's fan yourself. It's I all love,
0: I love books with letters in them. Yes. I <laughs> love that shit. I am, it, I am an it, epistolary It helps hoe. when they're
2: actual letters and not emails, E.L. James. I have a friend who
3: who And burn is text,
0: taking the slow route across the Atlantic right now.
3: <laughs> she always signs off later's baby because she knows it pisses me off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I know how I'm gonna sign all my emails to my Elise. Email. How about you?
4: <laughs>
0: and that is all for this week's podcast. Next week we have part two of this interview with all of the bitches. And it is so not safe for work, you might want to prepare yourself now. Like, we're going to need headphones, possibly a soundproof booth. Like, we talk about some crazy things in this next episode, so get ready for next week. The podcast this month is being sponsored by Renee Adieh, author of The Wrath and the Dawn, published by G.P. Putnam's Sons Books for Young Readers, available in print and ebook. Each dawn brings death, but can love change the story? This intoxicating retelling for a thousand and one nights will leave you begging for book two, The Rose and the Dagger, coming summer 2016. The podcast transcript this month is being sponsored by Kensington, publishers of More Than You Know by Jennifer Grayson, the first book in the new Zebra Shout imprint. Shout features rising stars of romance at an affordable price of $4.99 in print with a new book released each month. So if you like bad boy business moguls who know what they want and sexy jazz singers with hidden secrets, you will definitely want to reserve your table at the club for this new series on sale now wherever books are sold. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. This is Sassy herself on the violin. I'm not sure who is on the piano, but this is Fiddler on the Loose for smart bitches. I don't know if she composed this or she's just memorized it because she's really good at that type of thing, but that is Sassy herself performing. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. Next week, all bitches, so not safe for work. But until then, on behalf of everybody, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.